chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0! Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. A lot's changed in a week and a half. We've got a Premier League season to preview, but first, but we've got to talk about the biggest story in uh, football this year for sure, and probably for many of years to come. Lionel Messi has uh, mutually agreed to part ways with uh, Barcelona after what was previously a uh, contract agreement between the two clubs back around uh, early July had been agreed, pretty much fell apart and Barcelona admitted after the recent La Liga, not necessarily sanctions, but uh, the salary cap that La Liga imposed upon each of the teams. Uh, Barcelona weren't able to fit the greatest player in the world at the moment under their uh, salary cap. So Lionel Messi's walking. It looks like he's going to Paris Saint-Germain. I, I kind of think he was always going to leave here. I, like I, it's, it's, it, it did it's, seem I unbelievable that he was going to take a 50% pay cut. Right, you know? right. And that like the way that they were structuring the deal was like that Messi was going to like actually still make all the money, but they were going to pay him like deep into his retirement. And like, I don't know, it, it seemed all really sketchy to me. And it, it kind of seems like Messi's known for a while that he wasn't going to stay, and he's been flirting with PSG for a month or two now, and I think that's where he's going to end up. I think. Well, yeah, inevitably. it seems pretty much. Uh, pretty and, much. And for me, uh, that brings up another. That brings up another issue, which is. Well, you should know, we should we first uh, welcome everyone to the Ghost Goal Podcast? Yeah, we you should. Know, we just do some sort of right formality. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, here with Javier. This is officially the uh, Premier League season preview pod, but you know we wouldn't be a very good uh, football podcast if we didn't talk about Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. So, sorry, what was it you were going to say? What's uh... no? I just I just think that the the fact that they're most likely going to be able to get Messi, and then if, if they can re-sign Mbappe, this is a team that had like two hundred million loss in the last year. Financial fair play is essentially dead right now. Um, you know, the, well, yeah, they have president, officially president, relaxed the, the, the restrictions on teams because of COVID. Well, but so, not only uh, that, but but their president is now, you know, like part of FIFA. And he's clearly like he was the one they were the one big club that didn't go into the whole. Yeah, didn't go into the whole Super League thing. Um, and, you know, he's he's basically going to be able to do whatever he wants. And I don't know. I think it's kind of bullshit. I think this is stuff like this is ruining football and. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he should be able to... I, I don't think that has any effect on what's going on right now. Maybe some, because they're one of the few teams that can afford him in no, this market. No, I just market. think it's like corruption. It's like, it's like they can't even enforce their own rules to try to make the game more fair. So, like, why should people want to keep up with this organization who clearly plays favorites, huge favorites, allows some clubs to do whatever the hell they want, spend as much money as they want, even listen, if they have a massive loss? Listen, you're not going to get an argument uh, for UEFA from me. Like, that's not going to happen. But I don't know, just to, to bring that up when Messi's leaving as a free agent, like obviously PSG were like first in there. They're putting together 
probably the best front three we've seen since. Uh, I mean, Messi, yeah, I, Neymar, not gonna lie, though, not gonna lie. I'm gonna be but very were you excited complaining to watch about that. it then when they had Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. No, no, <laughs> no. And I was gonna so. say this is this is the the death of Barcelona for me because uh, Alex I, like mentioned, you know, the the, the financial troubles that Barcelona have had. And they're not. It looks like they're not even going to be able to, to sign these players that they were bringing in, like like Aguero and Depay, right? You were just telling me before the pod. Um, I think they're going to have to choose certain players, but right now and, they're still struggling that's to crazy, come in under right? the cap. Like, I mean, I know they have a lot of talent in their youth team and stuff, but you got to think that it, this this opens the door for Real Madrid to just become that dominant force that's going to win, you know, a, a, lot, a bunch of titles again. You know, seven or eight of the next ten. Or Atletico. Or yeah, I'm sure Atletico would be up there as well, but. They're going to have to keep Simeone for, you know, the next 20 years of his career. Well, they've already kept um, him for the first 10. So what's well, 20 more? Um, but yeah, the, let's get to the Premier League. Enough talking really? about Messi. I'm sure we'll talk Four about minutes. him more. Four minutes on Messi. Okay. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, okay. But like Messi, we could talk about him more, but like, let's wait till he actually gets signed. And then okay. we'll, 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 right. we'll, we'll, we'll give some more praise to Messi. You know, I love him. But yeah. And, and of course, I'm, I'm sure sometime soon, maybe an international break or something. Uh, maybe the September one, we'll talk about, you know, other leagues and what's going on like we usually do. Usually in the early season, we like to do a couple pods talking about some of the other top top five leagues in Europe. So it's definitely not the last you'll hear from us on, uh, on that whole messy situation. But like you said, let's get ready uh, for the Premier League season kicking off next Friday, Brentford and Arsenal. I think that's a, a very nice fitting way for us to start off our Premier League preview. This pod's mainly going to be about the Teams that are down there, the relegation battle, they'll be looking over their shoulder most of the season if they're not already in the relegation zone. And then we'll talk about some of the notable mid, mid-table mid teams. And then uh, this Wednesday, you should hear uh, the top four uh, podcast with our discussion of who's going to win the title, because that's starting to get uh, pretty interesting as well. So let's start off with the relegation battle. Like I said, Brentford going to kick off their season Friday against Arsenal, your favorite team. We both seem to think that uh, despite the fact that Brentford are the sort of the lowest ranked and like the the, the lowest placed championship team from this pack of three that have come up uh, from the fact that they came through through the playoff. You and I both seem to think that they've got a very good chance of uh, staying up despite the fact that they don't have the deepest squad. They don't have a bunch of stars, one or two recognizable names that you may have heard of over the last uh, year or so, like Ivan Toni and Brian Mbuemo. But what is it about Brentford that makes you think they could sort of defy the odds and pull off what Villa did two seasons seasons ago and stay up? So I haven't watched too much of them. Um, I did watch them more of them last season. I've I've watched Tony like one game this season. Um, but you know when they had Ben Rama and yeah, uh, but, like that team was was fun to watch. They would score a lot of goals in the championship. Um, and it seems to be that like the organization, despite losing some of their biggest players and their best players, not only just players, but like, coaches, staff, everyone in the organization has been poached, which to me is two things. One, that they are, they're a good enough organization to find that talent in the first place. And number two, if they can get into the Premier League when that's still happening to them, um, then this is an organization that I think when the, once they're in the Premier League, they're going to do everything in their power to stay in it. And they seem to be smart enough to me, just from what I've seen, you know, because Brentford was not a team that you would have thought any, you know, f- even five or six years ago, a team that w- you would have ever thought would be in the Premier League. You thought they were a perennial championship team or, you know, if you saw them in League One, you wouldn't even think that that would be a, 
a, a weird thing. So they've really been on the rise in these last three seasons, even without, even with like, despite losing the most important people in their organization. So I'm optimistic that they're going to, you know, trudge it out till the end. And I'm sure they'll be in it in the relegation battle, but I think they might barely stay up and, and squeak out in like 17th or something. And I think if they stay up, they'll be able to stay in the Premier League for, you know, three, four years. I think they'll always be, you know, bottom, bottom table, bottom of the table. I don't think they'll ever make a push like the second half, but you know, we've seen teams do that. We've seen teams come up like Sheffield United who were in the championship for 15 years before they were last in the Premier League. And, you know, made it had an incredible push and like finished seventh or eighth in that season. So you never know with these relegation teams, especially with teams like, and then that Sheffield team, we were both calling them everyone, me, you, and Andrew were all like, they're finishing bottom 20th. And then like, they completely shocked us. So it, it, it I think it really, sometimes with these unknown players, you might not know how well they're going to do. And for me, I'm not looking at the players as much. I mean, even Tony, I think he's going to be exciting. To, to see him in the Premier League, I'm sure he's going to get at least 15 goals, and that's the type of player that can keep you up. You have a, right. you have a player that can keep score 15 goals maybe in the league. It's a double-edged uh, sword though, because you're putting so much of your you know your hopes on him and him alone. And I'm not saying this is a perfect metaphor, but we saw what happened to teams like Wolves last year. You know, who've only been in the league for three years, but. Uh, they lost Jimenez and they lost a lot of their sort of cutting edge and attack. And Absolutely. they were able to they make up for almost it, a relegation level Brentford team. Could. Yeah. If like there's a random Ivan Tony injury that keeps him out for two months, then that I think that's it. Like there's, I would I wouldn't really give them any chance. So they've got to keep him healthy and fit and and firing. He uh, 15 might be low. He might even he may even get to 20. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's out out of the question. And the reason I like Brentford is because. They're like you said. It's kind of playing off. The this fact is a player, that by the way, the who, who broke the championship goal scoring record last season. Yeah, yeah, he scored thirty. You know, thirty two goals. I think thirty two. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's 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 enough to make you think that this guy's a, a very good talent coming up. So, you know, it, it doesn't always translate championship to Premier League, but when you score that many goals, you got to think that the guy's going to get. I, I think I think like. 12 to 15 and I think would be excellent for him and I'm almost sure Brentford would stay up. Yeah, I mean, I think 15 is being conservative if he's healthy because I think uh, Timo Pukki who's probably like a similar sort of mold of striker, they're like, both of them are more target men than they are uh, you know, players are going to drift wide and, you know, take players on off the dribble and stuff like that they're, they're, they're foxes in the box uh, so I think Pukki only had uh, something like 10, 10 or 12 in his uh, last season in the Premier League. So uh, Tony, I think, is a little bit better, definitely younger than that and than Pookie. So uh, 15 is probably like a conservative number. But if, he, if he's able to reach that, then I think Brentford stay up. But like you said, it's, it's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be a Leeds-style season for them where they just look like they belong pretty much right away. It's going to be a slow burn, and they're going to have to work their way into form, especially in the second half of the season. And uh, the main reason I think they can they can do it is that they have kind of adopted this three five two. Sometimes they play in a three four three, but it's a, a three five two that they mainly sort of flood the, the the center of the pitch with like good midfield players. You saw Matthias Jensen play a little bit for Denmark in the uh, Euros. He was a backup midfielder for them, but he would come on for the last like twenty thirty minutes of most of their games, and he's kind of a box to box player who. 
helps Brentford, you know, stay on the ball. They're, they're not just, they're, they're not like a defensive team at all. They, they do like to get on the ball and attack themselves, but he can also help them with their pressing game, win it back. They have Vitaly Janelt, who's a, uh, a German midfielder who's in his early 20s. Uh, Josh De Silva, I think he might have come up uh, from your academy. Maybe I'm thinking yeah, of a different De Silva. Yeah, I remember him. No, yeah, it is. He was just, yep. Yeah, and then uh, Christian Norgard, who was also in that, that Danish team. Thomas Frank, their manager, is, you know, Danish himself. Uh, had a pretty impressive uh, time in the in the Danish league, I think it was, before moving over to Brentford. And they've kind of adopted this Moneyball-like approach with him at the helm, where they're able to identify not that well-known players for very little and get more out of them than you would expect. And they've been one of the, the best at it uh, in the last couple of years. Like the, it, it wasn't like a sudden jump up like it was for teams like Sheffield and Bournemouth. Uh, Brentford have been like very steadily like making themselves into a better and better championship side with players like Benrama that you mentioned and selling them on for a big profit to disperse that money elsewhere throughout the squad. Uh, it I, I really I really like their chances and yeah I'm I'm gonna say they probably finished like just outside of the relegation zone just like Villa did two years ago. Twice. But, in the well, last okay, 20 let's years. move on somewhere else in the relegation battle. Uh, of these other two teams that have been promoted, which do you think is 100% going to be relegated? What would you bet your house on that they're going to be relegated? I, I kind of think that Watford are definitely going to get relegated. Explain. I think that they're going to be an attacking side. They're going to get a bunch of goals, but defensively, I just don't think that they have the spine. It, it, it was always the, the case with Watford when they, for me, they haven't made that defensive leap until I see them have a... Uh, you know that's how they were in the championship. They they haven't changed their style yet. They're the same team they were in the Premier League, you know, when they were in the Premier League a few years ago. And I think they're just going to get drilled by the, a much better Premier League now. You know, I don't think they have the defensive prowess to stay up. Well, they started out in the championship last season being like extremely defensive, and they were really underperforming the sort of expected goals and kind of struggling relative to like how good of a or like a Premier League level squad that they had. And then they fired their manager, I forget his name, and brought in this uh, this new guy, the Spaniard, uh, Cisco Munoz. And he's made them into like a pretty good defensive team in that time. Granted, it's championship opposition, but he, he kind of built off of, I mean, this is what the Watford fans think. They think he built off of like the defensive like solidity that the former manager uh, brought in, but with that former manager obviously couldn't get anything out of them going forward. Uh, so Munoz, I think they had some of the, the lowest expected goals uh, against in the championship after Munoz came in and still managed to attack pretty decently. Now, I'm not confident either that that's going to translate to the Premier League. I, I think they're going to have to pick a lane and try to excel at one of those. And if it's if it's attack, if it's them trying to, you know, outscore opposition, I think they could they could get absolutely dismantled like Norwich did two seasons ago so i think i think i'm with you i think watford go back down and i think and, uh cisco Mon- think munoz go, is probably one of the too. he's probably one of the earliest candidates to get fired just because it's watford watford always fire their manager if it's not going well they're very right. quick on the trigger right. i couldn't i could see them having three managers this season but i mean they still have like a like a decent premier league squad they're gonna score goals i'm sure they're gonna get results like like even that season when they got relegated, I think they beat Liverpool like three nil or something. I think wasn't that the only loss Liverpool had that season? Yeah, that was uh, 
that was Sar's breakout performance. I think Liverpool had other losses. That's one other loss that season, but that was their first one after not yeah, losing a game until City after they'd won the February title, right? or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. I think they're going to have performances like that where like they'll they'll beat it like a top six side convincingly and you'll be like, whoa, and then they'll go lose to like Crystal Palace four nil the next week. And you'll be like, wait a minute. And like that'll be the way that that Watford will play. They'll have that. some good results, but I see it I differently. Just... I see them like their best chance is beating the teams around them. Like that's where the attacking style can kind of even things out. But I think against the top teams, if they're not able to you know, accept the fact that they're not going to have the ball for the vast majority of the game and, you know, still try to create chances without it. I think they might get torn apart by some of the very, very top teams. And that's a danger for a lot of teams down there. But then what ends up putting you above them is the game's head to head with other teams. So other teams in the relegation battle, I mean, so it, it puts a lot of pressure on them for those games. Uh, they, they still have Ismail Asar, the player we just mentioned. They bought Emmanuel Dennis. We mentioned that transfer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they have some other players. Recently, they bought Jan Kuczka, who's, a, I think, a Slovakian defensive midfielder who's 34 years old, so he's been around the block uh, and was recently playing for Parma in Serie A. So they have him and this young uh, center midfielder from Nantes, uh, Imran Luza, who's a Hopefully he's not what his name suggests. Hopefully he's not a loser. <laughs> Dad jokes. That's what we're here for. Uh, so they have like they have brought in some reinforcements to shore them up in midfield defensively, and they still have Nathaniel Shaloba and uh, what's his name? Will Hughes. He was another decent midfielder from uh, and Tom Cleverly. Wait, I saw Ch- I saw Chaloba playing for Chelsea in like a friend. Yeah, that's his younger brother, Trevor. Oh, Trevor. Okay. Well, Trevo yeah. or Trevo, it's T T R E V O H. So it's a different pronunciation than. But yeah, he he looks he looks decent. He looks a little bit better than Nathaniel, but Nathaniel's pretty good too. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they they have the players to if they fire Munoz midseason, they could bring in like a big Sam maybe or another defensive minded manager, and they could maybe like switch the whole style of play and you know maybe do better at what kind of was their identity for a good few years there when they were being successful in the Premier League. They were like a defensive team that was tough as shit to break down and just would blitz you on the counterattack or on set pieces. So, I don't know, I think they still have like a little bit of that DNA in them they could tap into if they do if they do decide to uh, fire Munoz for, you know, not not so great results. So, um, I, I tend to agree with you that Watford are probably the, the most likely to go down. I think they're the betting uh, betting odds like favorites to go back down or finish in 20th. Uh, and, and also, I need to mention Cisco Munoz, that uh, manager that they hired, his uh, previous job, which was his first job in management before that, was Dynamo Tbilisi in Georgia. So that was his only managerial experience, and now he's well, a Premier League manager. Maybe so. he's a gem. Maybe, maybe, who knows. But it's not a lot of experience. And while I don't think that necessarily means Norwich City are going to stay up. I think the experience of having been in the Premier League and having, you know, 80% of the same players back for this uh, this second go at it, plus Daniel Farka still as the manager, I think that, that makes them a better chance probably, of yeah, they have Watford, a better chance. at least. I think so. I think so. I'm not going to pick them to stay up. I still think they're getting relegated, but... So do I. I still think they get relegated too. I think they're going to try to rely on Pookie again, who's, you know, what, two years older now than he was before. And 
I'm not sure that they can. I just don't see this team. I mean, Daniel Fark is a good manager, though, and I think they're going to still have that patch of form where you think maybe they might stay up. But over an entire Premier League season, I mean, they did get ravished by injuries last time. So, yeah, absolutely. You kind of, you kind of, you kind of think that like if they don't get ravaged by injuries like they did last time, that you know they do have a good enough manager where I would say. I could see them staying up and someone like Newcastle going down instead of them. You know, I could I, like I think Newcastle for me, Newcastle and Burnley are the, the two teams. I mean, Burnley it's hard to pick because there's well, such a there's such can we, a. Can we stay on Norwich just for a second and then we'll go to like you know the teams yeah, from last sure. year that are like sure, biggest sure, favorites? Because sure. the biggest the biggest elephant in the room, which we've kind of discussed, but more so from the standpoint of how it affects Aston Villa's season is Emiliano Buendia leaving Norwich for whatever it was, 30 or 40 million. It's obviously the biggest transfer fee Norwich have ever gotten for a player. And they're definitely going to struggle to replace, I think he had 15 goals and 14 assists in the championship last season. That's not an easy feat to have, you know, double digit uh, goals and assists in the championship. So that's a, that's a lot of attacking output that they have to replace. And I think the replacement they brought in was that we were talking about beforehand, Milos Rashitska from Werder Bremen. Who, yeah, you know, just, I, I just think that's going to be too big of a hole, right? It's going to be too too big of a I miss. think the way they're going to adjust is that Buendia, a lot of the time, would play more as like a number Godfrey 10. They also had Ben Godfrey last time they were in the Premier League. They don't yeah, have like a, like a dominant center back that like, like Godfrey's like Everton's best defender now, you know? Like yeah, he was still he was, Grant Hanley. Yeah, I was gonna say like, like he's he was such a huge part of that team. Him and Buendia, those are the two best players that they had the last time in their Premier League. Like I like I struggle to see where they're going to to be able to produce that same level. You know, like I said, if they're not ravished by injuries, maybe they make that push for that last 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 place till the end of the season. But I kind of feel like the other Premier League teams have just too much staying power right now, and. Norwich are going to be perennial up down up down up down. Yo yo club. Yeah, I, I don't dis- I don't disagree with you, but I think the way they're going to try and make up for Buendia leaving, at, at least in, I've watched like one preseason game of Norwich's because Billy Gilmore was playing and I wanted to see him in action, and it looked like they've switched to like a four three three with more of a flat three in midfield. Where it, beforehand, the last two seasons when Buendia was still available to them. They were using him as more of like a sort of floating number 10 where, you know, he could drift out wide and contribute with whoever's playing on the wings and he could drop into midfield and help out win possession. But they're kind of taking that number 10 out of the out of it, playing a more flat three. And they have good midfield players. Kenny McLean, the Scottish midfielder, was playing for them last time. He's he's a decent defensive midfielder. And Todd Cantwell, Uh, obviously. Well, Cantwell's the one of the wingers. But he's yeah, but he's midfielder winger, but he's he's very good too. But like the front three is gonna be like Rashitza, Puki, and Cantwell, and then the midfield three is gonna be like McLean, Gilmore, hopefully, and then either uh Tete, the defensive midfielder from last time, who can also play center back, or this uh Nice midfielder they signed, Pierre Lise Melou. He's supposedly one of like the best defensive midfield prospects in Ligue 1. Uh, in France, and they've got him for like three million or something. So, and he's not like a young player that needs to develop. He's 28 years old. He's a fully fl- uh, fledged professional. He's someone that I think could help them defensively in midfield. Where last time, they, I think they had the worst goal difference of any team in the league when they got relegated last time. So they they, they need more of a a defensive presence and more of a hold in possession 
in midfield. And I think that new signing from Nice, uh, Melu, and Gilmore, the combination of those two with some of the players they have right now, it gives them a better shot. But yeah, you, you gotta you gotta look at the injuries. Like if Gilmore gets injured, that's gonna be a big deal to them because they're they're probably not gonna be able to like stay in possession for as much as they would like to without Billy Gilmore. Yeah, he's gonna be a huge player for them. I, I think I'm expecting him to have like a game. really good season this year, and maybe not start off amazingly, but by the middle of the season, if he's playing every week, he's gonna be one of the the best sort of like Richista prospects in the world. I think he already is, but everyone else in the world will see it because so far it's only been like games here and there in big uh, stages and now he's got a full season opportunity to prove it so I'll I'll say Norwich are going to be like 19th I'll say 19th so the rest of the teams from last season there's a few you named a couple but (laughs) let's do Newcastle first because we've done this before Javier and Steve Bruce just seems to you know spit in our faces and prove us wrong what what, what makes you think it's not going to happen I don't think Newcastle are going to get relegated I don't think so I think that they're probably going to end up getting Joe Willock at the end, um, and I think with him, they have they have enough like like they're they, if they keep their their attacking talent, which is like Alan Saint Maxine and you know Almiron and um, Callum Wilson. Now, Callum Wilson, yeah, they have a, they have a, a Premier League front three like that. Those three players can keep you in a, in the Premier League, um, and I think that they if it's they get a consistency a good, issue. I was gonna say if they get a good midfield behind them. Um, you know, like a goal scoring output from Willock. If he gets eight to ten goals and he he actually you know signs for them, that's going to be more than enough to keep them up. Um, and I think they'll be a See, comfortable. I, I'm, bottom, I'm working on the assumption that team. they're not getting Willock. Like, have you seen anything yeah, that makes you think they're huge, getting him? I mean, I think that right now Arsenal are trying to get someone like you know Or or someone like that before we let Willock go. I think we're not going to let him go until we have the signing. So. I think that's what's holding well, it up right now. Well, have, well, okay, but at the moment, Newcastle have not made any signings. Zero. They, they, but like Steve Bruce has like openly talked about wanting Willock in the team and like just waiting on Arsenal to get back to him. That they've already put in a yeah, bid. Like I'm they just want saying, him. right now, a week before the season starts, they have no I signings, know. and I, I have not heard anything of Willock. So I'm working off the assumption that they're not getting him, and maybe they get someone else. But I, I don't think they're getting relegated either. I have another team in mind, but. Yeah, it's a danger. I think it's always going to be a danger until they get new ownership or Mike Ashley, you know, has a revelation that he needs to invest money into the club to get anything out of it. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's the not problem, good. The problem with with Burnley as well is they still have Sean Dyche. Like, how is Sean that a problem? Dyche, no, I'm saying, you I'm and saying I look the, at this completely differently. Oh no, no, not the problem. I'm, just, I'm saying like predicting them to get relegated. I'm saying they're not going to get relegated right. if they have Sean Dyche. And right. he's a good enough manager to to keep them afloat. And we've doubted them so many times in the past that I'm not going to do it this time. I'm not going to make the mistake. Burnley's not going down. Also, the thing we mentioned with one of the other teams that we like to stay up this season, Burnley have. And it's a, a consistent, proven goal scorer in Chris Wood. They even have a couple other players that can chip in with goals. But, you know, how many uh, most of the teams that I'm looking at and thinking you're in a bit of danger here. They don't have that consistent, you know, 10 to 15 goal a season score. Or, I mean, and in Newcastle's case, just to go back to them for a second, Callum Wilson is a walking injury concern. So he could be out for a couple months and then come back and score a couple. But uh, that's kind of what led to Bournemouth's demise. We've seen that before. It seems like Burnley with, you know, the consistent manager and proven manager in Sean Dyche with a center forward like Chris Wood and wide players like 
Dwight McNeil that I think they've got enough. It, it might not be easy. It might be another slog and have some you know worries here and there if you're a Burnley fan. But overall, I think they should be fine. Are you that like which team do you think is actually going to get relegated? Who's the third team? I kind of think it's going to be Crystal Palace. They're they're on my list because I think that the way that they are just signing a bunch of players on loan and trying to patch holes. They have Patrick Vieira, who for me, I don't think he's been a success manager early. I know he did all right in in the MLS, but like for me, that's not like he was such a failure in France that I don't I don't hold him in high regard at all as a manager and. You know, uh, I just don't think that he's going to be the 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 one. I know that they've had they've made like good loan signings that you'd think, oh, you know, like Mark Gahey, the one that you uh, they bought Mark Gahey, didn't they? Yeah, they bought so him. That's a good outright. signing. Him and that's, that's Joaquin Anderson. Signing. They bought both of them. Right, those are good signings, and you got to think like defensively they're going to be. But there's there, there's such a big output of players that are leaving the club right now, and they're they're going to have to replace so many players. Like like Andros Townsend was a huge player for them. I know they have Zaha and they have Eze, but like Eze is still well, going to be he's, he's going to be injured, injured until like December. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I think it's going to be really rough for them until he comes back, and even when he comes back, it's going to be a couple months before he gets back into form. Realistically, that's like January, February. Is that going to be enough to keep them up? I think Palace are going to have like a really rough go and probably fire Vieira in like November, or December, and maybe they'll well, be able to turn their season around. But I kind of see them really having a rough start of it to start. It's interesting that the one person you didn't mention in that that's left is the, per- the the person that's responsible with keeping them stable these last few years. And that's no, Roy I Hodgson. said Zaha. No, oh, okay. Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson, yeah, yeah. Him leaving, like, remember the last time they uh, they, they got rid of Alan Pardew, who had, you know, done well for them previously and, like, uh, gotten to an FA Cup final and everything. They brought in Frank DeBoer. It was a complete disaster when they tried to sort of, like, reform the tactics of the team and become a much more attacking side it completely backfired on them and they reverted back to type with the defensive solid manager and Roy Hodgson and obviously had plenty of experience to sort of guide the ship back to Premier League stability I I agree with you Patrick Vieira it's a risk he's still a relatively inexperienced manager and you know we tend to kind of question every manager that hasn't managed a Premier League game when they're you know about to embark on a season so it's hard to really know how good Vieira will be uh, but I think it will be a struggle but I think he'll stay in the job and they'll give him another season after that to see if he can build off of it uh, the gay he's signing as much as I really like it it'll be his first full Premier League season he's been playing one and a half seasons of championship football for Swansea on loan from Chelsea, and while he's been one of the best players in the championship uh, defensively, uh, it, it's, of course it's a it's a jump up. And you just throw him and Joachim Anderson in there together, it's no, not guaranteed that it's going to be a great partnership right off the bat. So uh, yeah, I think it's for Vieira. It's going to be about trying to trying to keep things from getting too uh, chaotic or hectic at the back, while still sort of maintaining an attacking, uh, some sort of attacking like thrust, because other than Zaha with no Eze, they, they're kind of depending on like Benteke to continue his good form from the end of last season. And, you know, Jordan Ayew. And uh, there was one other striker they signed that I can't remember his name that scored against Brighton. But yeah, but yeah they have like a couple of players that are, are capable of scoring goals and 
uh, doing well for them. But it's just it's another consistency thing. You don't know whether those players are going to show up or if they're just going to go completely silent again, like they did at times under Hawkson. So I, I agree with you. They're, they're down and around there. I think they should be definitely worried. But overall, I think the team that should be most worried of uh, dropping out is Southampton. And Ralph Hassenhutl is one of my managers that I've previously been a big fan of, especially when he's had them playing well. And the first half of last season, they were up near like the top six, playing really well, and they just fell off a cliff. So they, they've sold Danny Ings. That's a signing that's uh, happened since we oh, last recorded. Yeah, sold him to Aston sure Villa. They're, they're, I, I need to see who they replace him with because I don't think that they're that, done right now. I, I agree. They got a bunch of money. Like you, you can't, but I don't think you can call them for relegation. I think like, I can. I think, I think I think I, don't think I can, so, dude. I think they've proven like so. I think like Ralph Huzenhuddle is is like a Sean Dyche, where like even if he doesn't have the best players, he's proven that he can get enough out of them to keep his team up. Like I don't, I don't see like so a team. I, like, I agree with you, but I Brentford. see them kind of like Bournemouth. Remember Bournemouth two seasons ago? You never would have predicted them to to go out of the Premier League. They were good. They still have Vestergaard. Side. They still have Vestergaard. Yeah, okay, sure, they I don't think have... Vestergaard's that good. Like he's he played uh, no, well for Denmark. Have, sure. Um, they still have Ward Prowse. Like those are players who they were trying, who were, okay. who were people were trying to poach. So, so let me finish. Keep those players. Let, let I me know finish about Danny them. Ings, I think but they're they going to replace of, him. They kind of have like a similar vibe to them in terms of like the problems that uh, like I'm sure their fans feel about the team that I do with Chelsea before this Lukaku signing we'll get to uh, later. They have a good team. Like all over the field, they have multiple options in different uh, positions that look good on paper. And, you know, are good players like Stuart Armstrong is a good attacking midfielder, along with Ward Prowse that you mentioned. Uh, they just made Theo Walcott like a permanent signing. He's, he's a, still a pretty good option, along with Gineppo and Nathan Redmond. But where are the goals? Che Adams they're scoring gonna, 10 gonna, goals in yeah, the Premier no, League. They're going to find they're going to find someone. They're going to obviously You better fucking someone. hope Apparently so because got, I'm saying right now. They got right 30 now, million for Ings. If they got that, 30 million for Ings, they're going to they're going to go and spend that money. They're not just going to sit on it cuz Did they really get that much that for be, him? I don't think they announced the fee. I think that was the that's the that's the the rumored fee. So. Ings had like a year left on his deal. There's no way they sold him for like 30 million. I just don't believe that. He's 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 the fourth highest goal scorer in the last two years. After yeah, he's, Kane, he's also like twenty eight or twenty nine, and, and he had a year left on his deal. They didn't get thirty million for him. And Salah, I, I, I'm just I'm just saying I have the only players I've seen them spend money on have been you know youth signings for the future. That I, I mean I think a lot of those signings are going to be good ones, but they might be players that you know come to prominence once Southampton get relegated and have to sell off a bunch of their senior players on high wages and kind of like factory reset about like a, around all of the young players uh so i don't think they have too many signings that are going to make a big impact this year and i mean if one of those happens maybe i'll change my opinion but i'm saying right now i think Southampton are the third team that gets relegated what about brighton losing ben white and like i don't think they've they have tons of center backs who are like I know not as yeah, good they but some, they're good yeah they have dunk webster yeah i guess Dan they have still burn yeah they're still pretty good i guess and i think their manager is also really good so i think that's another another reason they'll probably just stay up there they're also a good organization and a pretty big club so um, I could see them having a long run in the Premier League. Also, they actually have fifty million that they can spend on a player. Yeah, they do. So, they do. yeah, I mean, we know that for sure. I'm, I, I'm not saying I don't fully believe you about Ings, but I just haven't seen Southampton, you know, make like a like a sort of a financial commitment to you know stay in the Premier League yet. So I'm thinking they're going to drop out. So uh, finalize your your three relegated teams for me. 
I'm going to say Norwich, Watford, and Crystal Palace. In that order. So oh, 20th, Norwich, Watford, you know, 19th, and Crystal Palace in 18th. Okay. With Brentford finishing in 17th right above them. But I obviously, it's possible it's switched around, but that's what I see. Okay. I'm going to say Norwich 20th, Watford 19th, Southampton 18th. And I think Palace are going to be just above it. So I don't fully disagree with you, but I see this being a tough one for Southampton. Name me another team that has uh, lost 9-0 in each of the last two seasons. You can't do it. Obviously, I can't because no one has, but... <laughs> You know, it's, that, I, I'm sorry. That had no reflection on the uh, the fact that they, they think say, they're getting relegated. After, the, after they lost 9-0, they, they played really well. So <laughs> Did they? I don't know about that. I don't know if the second time, but the first time they did. They went on their big run after they lost 9-0. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Two of the teams that will be relegated are going to be Watford and uh, Norwich. We both think Brentford are going to stay up. And uh, Javier has Crystal Palace to get relegated. I have Southampton. Well, that feels like right around the right length of uh, a good preview pod. We'll, I guess we'll sp- split this up into three parts. Uh, we'll do mid-table teams in the next section and then the top four race in the third section. So look out for those throughout the rest of this week leading up to the Premier League kickoff on Friday. Arsenal and Brentford, like we mentioned. I hope you enjoyed this pod. And uh, Javier, thanks uh, again for jumping on this one with us. I'm, I'm pretty sad that I'm, this, I'm on this next mid-table pod. <laughs> Don't be sad. It's a new season. I'm going to get my own pod to talk about Arsenal, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. I wanted you to have plenty of time to, you know, talk about your your favorites. Um, But you can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, at ASMoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram, at GhostGoldPod for the podcast socials. If you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a uh, rating and review. It helps new listeners to find the pod. So uh, hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, see you.